0: Um, it's great to see you. And it's also a good one to come to because you have a, a good excuse to ask me to come, ask to come to my house because we're talking about hospitality today and what it means to, um, the title of this talk is Welcoming into Our Homes as we're continuing our uh, Radical Welcome series. Um, and I'm really excited about this topic. I think it's a really good thing for us to engage with. I think it's a thing uh, that God has for us. It's for our good. Now, i was going to start by reading our passage but I was, I was stricken in the worship, um, Ash, do you want to come up? By how um, maybe Ash is just a good reader, but I think she probably has a gift for... Um, yeah, random a round of applause. Can we, get, can we get a mic? Oh, yes. um, it might know. just be a good reader, but I think you've probably got a, a gift for exhorting people with Scripture. So I was like, let's get Ash to read our passage. Um, so it, that um, might be easiest from the screen. Um, so in one Peter Rude. today. Can you hear me? Take okay, it away. great. Um, so the yeah, passage today from one Peter. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's steward, good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Cheers, Ash. We heard last week um, that to, to welcome someone biblically is to take them and to, to bring them to ourselves. Hospitality, then, is a, is a central practice in this. It is, is taking people and bringing them into our homes and into our worlds. Be they strangers, um, colleagues, acquaintances, and friends, it is taking people into a space that they would not normally be. Um, so, it, so it ain't hospitality when you um, cook some food for your housemate or a close friend, but it is when you meet someone on a Sunday and have them around for some soup and a chat. Hospitality is taking what we have, our our things, our time, our money, and our homes, and using them to welcome people into our world. If if last week we we saw something of the shape of welcome, then hospitality shows us um, something of the color of what welcome can look like. It practically helps us um, to know what welcome can be. So this passage that we're looking at uh, this evening shows us um, I think, three things about hospitality that I want to draw out. So, firstly, we've got the power of hospitality. Then we've got the problem of hospitality. And then we've got the practice of hospitality. So, firstly, um, the power of hospitality. I'm a, a big fan of, of history, um, particularly Second World War history. But actually, I just thought, I thought um, just then of, of a great history fact I could just randomly throw in. Did you know that at one point in history, Pepsi had the sixth largest military navy in the whole world. <laughs> That's an incredible fact, I think. <laughs> Google that later. Um, but particularly Second World War history. Um, and in, in, in 1943, okay, in um, the depths of the Second World War, there was a Norwegian called Jan Balsrud. Um, and he was in Scotland. He was uh, training to, to go back to Norway on a secret mission. Um, so he, he landed um, in Norway on a mission to blow up some German military sites and generally cause mayhem with his Norwegian friends. But when he landed, they had all been betrayed by someone. So they were all captured apart from him. He alone escaped by swimming through freezing Arctic waters. Um, he then tried to... Um, his aim was to escape quite a frantic and determined German chase and make it into Sweden, where he'd be safe. But the problem was, he couldn't walk um, through injury. He was blind. His clothes were soaked. He had one shoe. He had no food. He didn't know where he was going. So, by all accounts, it seemed quite impossible. But he did make it. Carried at night from home to home to home, of ordinary Norwegian families, pulled um, on a sled through the mountains, given valuable clothes and food, all despite the knowledge that if found helping Jan, they and their whole families would be shot. When later on, he was was given an honorary knighthood for his bravery, but he always gave the credit to those uh, Norwegians who had helped him in that time. Because for Yan, hospitality was not a nice thing. It was a matter of life and death. Hospitality protected and preserved life. Hospitality was powerful. Here too, in this passage, we see the powerful nature of hospitality. Um, I don't know if this is on the slides, but I don't think we had it read out. But in verse 7, um, where we're going to start, it says the end of all things is at hand. That's how Peter starts this little passage. The end of all things is at hand. What does Peter mean by this? He means that we are in the final stage of of God's creation, between Jesus going up to heaven and Jesus returning. Ninety minutes are over, and it's injury time. His goal of a a new creation, us living, living with him, that's on the horizon. Therefore, Peter has an urgency about him. He sees the need to use our time well. Therefore, amongst the need to have an active prayer life, he instructs us to, above all, love one another earnestly. The kind of love that can cover sin. This means a love that keeps no record of wrongs, that chooses not to prolong division, but instead to protect and prioritize community. Peter is saying that the age in which we live is an important one. How we use our time is important, and that in the dangers and pressures of the age in which we live, it is vital that we seek to love each other well. As an example of such love, then, he only gives hospitality. Why is hospitality powerful? Because it is a powerful display of genuine, earnest love for someone. The sort of love needed in our age where 40% of 16 to 24-year-olds say they are always or often lonely. Peter does not have a low view of hospitality. He sees it for what it is, a powerful and vital marker of love. Jesus loved loving people over meals. Um, The Bible says that Jesus came eating and drinking. He chose to be anointed um, as king at a meal. um, in the Bible, who you ate with, in those times, who you ate with carried a lot of social significance. It said, I accept you. So when Jesus ate with prostitutes and the poor and the sick, it was a controversial act of love. Jesus used hospitality an awful lot for someone who didn't have a home. He he quite regularly um, was on a hillside and he he feeds 5,000 people after teaching them. He, he meets someone and invites himself around. He's at a feast and he draws people in. Jesus saw the powerful nature of hospitality and used it to love people and welcome people. Hospitality is loving because over the table, you, you, you see someone for who they are. You draw them close. They're disagreements that can cloud from a distance. They're not there. Over the table, you, you can get to know someone. It takes strangers and makes them friends. God was not messing about when he made our mealtimes. Can you think of a time when you've received good hospitality? How did you feel? Someone caring for you and providing for your needs. I can remember a few times I've been really grateful uh, to receive hospitality. Um, a few kind of more dramatic times, like I remember there was one time I was in, um, an, on an island in the Philippines, I was traveling with some friends um, by, by motorbike and it got dark and it was like a, a dirt track um, and there was no light to travel so we had to like, we got to stop, we hadn't made it to our destination in time. Um, and so we were like, okay we're going to have to sleep on the side of the road, um, not the best but that's what we'll have to do um, we're, in, we're, yeah, we're enjoying it. Um, but then, I mean, my I memory a little bit sketchy. But somewhat, um, a woman drove past and we got talking to her. she st- she stopped. And before we knew it, um, she'd taken us um, along with her husband um, to her home. And they had like a little outhouse and they put us in there. Um, and then the next morning they gave us some breakfast and we got to know them. Um, but I can also think um, the many more regular times of hospitality I've received and how that's made me feel. So that was a dramatic time when I went from, like, sleeping um, on the side of the road in the Philippines, like, in someone's house. Um, But times when I've... I remember times I was in in Fergia, um, and James Bunce, um, who's normally here, along with his then-housemates, Roger and and Josh, um, they would have me around in Fergia, um, and that felt such a, a nice, peaceful a um, relaxed oasis from the, the trials of third-year life. As I've been thinking about um, the power of hospitality in my preparation, it's only became kind of more and more clear to me um, and confirmed to me. Of hospitality, And that's okay. Often you just kind of have some people over, you hang out with some people, you don't know how it's gone, maybe you felt a bit awkward, but it's okay. It would have been good. But recently I um, I saw a guy a fair bit older than me, um, and I'd had him and someone else around um, for for dinner the week before. Um, And he told me with, with, with tears in his eyes how that invitation and that simple plate of food and conversation. Had through that he'd known love in which he hadn't known in probably like a decade, said he hadn't been social with someone like that for over a decade. Hospitality is a powerful practice of love that we're all designed to give and receive. Who are you gonna invite into your home? You have a story of receiving incredible hospitality. Do you know that? If you know Jesus, you have a testimony of the loving power of hospitality. Your salvation is a result of God's hospitality towards you. You were a stranger, the Bible says. You did not know him. You had no right to come into his presence or the place of God. Yet Jesus left his home. He knew pain and cost and rejection in order that he might bring you in in order that he may say to you, in my father's house there are many rooms, and I'm going to make a place for you. You were not a son or a daughter that you might know him, but he has made you one that he might receive you as one. Friends, your home is entirely different now. Earlier on in, in this letter, in Peter, um, Peter refers to the Christians as exiles, and that's what we are. Our home is, is not of this world. And and your invitation to your place at God's table was not so you managed to contrive or win over, you could not invite yourself around. But He decided to invite you in, and your whole life has changed because of it. Hospitality is powerful because it points to a love that is greater than anyone has ever known. It testifies to it, it is an echo for hospitality when you show hospitality to someone. But there is, we can see in this passage, also a problem to hospitality. It says, show hospitality without grumbling. Well, why, why do we think Peter writes to do so without grumbling? Because there is a real issue that when we do show hospitality, that we might grumble. God isn't naive about the state of the human heart, um, and so why might we grumble? By its nature, hospitality is, is costly. It takes what you have. It takes um, your, your time um, and you might be thinking, oh, I've got work and I've got that responsibility and I've got to do that. How am I gonna fit in hospitality? It takes your, your energy, you feel, you feel run down. How am I possibly gonna fit this in? It takes take some of your money and it uses them for someone else. It's a costly activity. And if we care too much about having a nice home and lots of time, then we're going to grumble if we have to show hospitality. And also, I think it can come from fear. Fear of other people. I, I've been there. What, what will they think of this evening if I invite them over? If I had them run to my house for some lunch, if I um, offered to, to look, like, come over play some PlayStation or something like that, what will they think of me or my place or, or that offer? Will it be awkward? If I invite people who don't know each other, Will I be constantly trying to help conversation between them? What will happen? Fear can stop us from being hospitable. The fear of other people and what they think, it can paralyze us from doing what is a good thing for us. Grumbling um, due to the cost of hospitality is something that um, I've, I've been guilty at times. One time I, I remember there was, there was someone there in my house um, Someone who I knew really could do with receiving some good, um, a good welcome. But I was caught up with, oh man, there are so many people already here. Is there going to be enough food? Do I have enough chairs? What's like? I'm really not like one other person. I'm not. I'm not in the mood. I I can tell you, I, I I knew that the kind of sweet pain of of conviction as the Holy Spirit just gently reminded me of of things I'd said in the past of, oh, there's, there's always going to be a space for the extra person, there's always going to be enough. And I had to, stand standing in my, in my kitchen with a wooden spoon in hand, just silently repent and ask him to give me his heart of love for this person and choose to act differently. When our eyes get set on ourselves and what we have, hospitality becomes something to grumble over it is easy to be pulled towards security and away from hospitality, to seek protection over openness, to store up instead of giving out. If this is the case, we lose out on a good thing that God has for us. So we've seen the power of hospitality. We've seen the potential problem of hospitality. But thankfully here in this passage, it shows us, uh, it gives us some tools with which we can practice hospitality. It empowers us to do this. Um, and so firstly, it doesn't mean this, this in two ways. It, it shows us that all we have is from God and it promises us the power and the strength to, sh- to do it. But firstly, it reminds us that all we have is from God. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The first thing this is saying is this. God's posture towards you is one of grace. He gives grace to us. He gives grace to you. Uh, he treats us better than we could ever deserve. And one of the ways in which this affects your life um, is in gifts. So, this is things like your, um, your, your time, your, your money, um, your talents, your opportunities, all the good things you have. And that we are to steward these gifts. We are to to use them to serve one another. That's how we're to steward them. So God acts towards us in grace. We receive gifts. We have these gifts. And then we are to steward them to serve one another. A couple of years ago, um, I got to go to to Jordan. And on the border between Jordan and Israel, um, there's a place there called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is so salty that if you get in it, it kind of feels like you're floating. And you float a lot more than you could in normal water. And you can't really dive down. I think it's quite dangerous to dive into it. And it's really salty because there's a river going into it, the River Jordan, but there aren't really any outlet streams going from it. So the water comes in and evaporates and it gets saltier and saltier. And so no life can survive. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. This is a picture of what happens when we receive God's grace and good gifts, but there are no outlet streams, when we don't use them to serve others. We lose part of um, what God has given us. We don't experience the fullness of it. We rob ourselves. We are not to be graced dead seas. We are not designed for that. What you are given is meant to flow to others, and you'll enjoy those things more if you do. The instructions of, of Jesus are, are hard if you seek to resist them. You'll be led to grumbling if you set yourselves against the idea of practicing hospitality. But if you voluntarily submit to his will, the yoke is easy and the burden is light, you'll find his, his commands to be not, not burdensome. They are for our joy. Jesus has shown us the proper use of our life to expend it for others. He gave all he has for us. The invitation then is to join in with him, to give our time and our possessions and our money. I'd like to um, illustrate this by talking about my parents. Um, My parents have, in the the past few years, really gone for it in a new way in hospitality. It wasn't really my experience of them growing up. Um, but now when I, whenever I go home for Christmas, there'll be, there'll be Americans and there'll be um, some Dutch and there's a, a guy from Singapore. Um, I'll go home and they will, they will leave the room to go Skype a, a Syrian refugee they met in a cafe and then start having over. Um, they will put people up as lodgers who they, they meet at church who, who need somewhere to stay. they are really, really gone for it. And, and believe me, they, my parents have... A couple of reasons that they could give if they were like hospitality oh, that's great but you know that that's not for me that's like great for some people but because of this and because of this I can't really do it they, they could have things to to say that would like allow them that out but they have chosen not to. and I, I've seen um, a new life in them because of it I've I mean I asked them about how how this had changed the experience of just like living at home um, and their lives and they said they now enjoy their home more and view their space in a new way. They've known, so they've known God's provision um, as they've done this. They've known more joy as they've done this. Use your gifts, your money, your home for the benefit of others. Have people over. I'm confident that if you do, you'll get more joy from your home than if you keep it to yourself. When we see these things as, as gifts from God's grace designed to be given in service of others, then we will not be given over to grumbling, but instead no freedom. So this passage enables us to be generous because we know that what we have is first given to us by God. But It does something else as well. Look at verses 11 and 12. Whoever speaks, that's one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, that's one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. How are we to, to serve for hospitality? By, by my own effort, and striving and pushing to do it. Knowing the strength that God supplies. The word supplies there carries the literal meaning of, of pay the cost of. So um, when I was, was 16, I was doing some work experience. I did it in like a, a think tank, um, which is this cool place that writes reports about stuff. Um, and I was in London and I I was in Birmingham and so I really enjoyed the week getting to kind of put on a shirt and get on the tube in the morning and have like a a free newspaper under my arm Um, (laughs) and one of my my favourite parts of the week um, was I got a a £5 lunch budget every single day um, from my boss and expenses now normally and this is what, what I still do I have a ham and cheese pat lunch sandwich pretty much every day since I was 11, maybe. Um, it's great. Um, and that maybe cost me five pounds for a whole week. And I was on five pounds every day. Now, I could have gone out on my break and I've used my own money to buy a ham and cheese sandwich. But if my boss was paying the expenses, why not just rely on that? What's more, I could be a lot more adventurous than normal. See, sushi... Had not made it to Birmingham yet, but it was, it was all over London. And so my challenge was every day, how much fun can I have with this five pounds from my boss? When we believe that God pays the cost required for our service, what happens? We can be more generous and more adventurous in what we do. We can be more generous in our hospitality. Also, is this, is this strength God supplied past tense? No, it's present tense, supplies. There will be new strength, new supplies for you. When you, um, I'll let you in a second, when I've planned to have someone over that evening, I've invited someone around, and it's it's, it's like, I'm at work, um, it's it's 1 1 p.m., and I'm thinking about it, I almost always regret that I have someone coming over that evening. (laughs) It's just, just how it is. Um, the idea of it fills me with regret. But do you, know, do you know why that's okay? Because when I'm at work, I never have to show hospitality. It's, it's, not, it's not what I'm doing. But when it comes to it, in the moment, it's never a regret. However messy it is, I know his strength and his new supplies in the moment. Our expectation of future strength, of future grace means that we can plan hospitality in and not just wait for the motivation in the moment. Get it in your diary. But now, I guess now the question is this, how do we serve in his strength? Because it's all good saying it, but when you're chopping an onion and crying, it can feel like your own strength. <laughs> well, here's one foolproof way to serve in your strength, to, to make it about you, to have your priority that evening. How, how does this make me look? How do they see me? What's my reputation? Because of that. It's impossible to, to serve in the strength that God supplies when it's all about us. But if you look at the next line, if we seek to do it in order that in everything God may be glorified, we will draw on his strength. That's how it works. It is all for his glory. If we decide to do it for God, knowing his hospitality towards us, knowing what he has done for us, you will surely know his strength. He promises to strengthen you and provide you with what you will need. He doesn't call us to something that he will not provide for. And as a Christian, you're you're called to practice hospitality. He will provide for you. Therefore, you don't need to be strong and capable and confident before you go for it. To share um, something of my story with hospitality, um, the first time I well, actually I, I never really. I don't mean I ever still call it, like I'm now practicing hospitality. Um, and I certainly didn't that first time. Um, I decided to try out hospitality. Um, but I was, in, I was in second year of uni um, and I had no idea how to cook and I had no idea how to host. Um, but I was, I was actually I was here one evening and talk wasn't to do with it, but there was a reference made to, to meal times. Um, and I was like, oh, that, I think that's something that I, could, I could go for, I could invest in. And so I, I googled how to cook spaghetti bolognese. Um, I and at that time I and yeah, food does not have to be impressive. Like hospitality is not entertaining. Um, I've heard it say aim for for warm and not wow. <laughs> but um, and yeah, at that time I, I didn't I not have I didn't know many people um, here at Grace. But I invited a few people over who I knew a little bit, and I had some uni mates over as well. Um, I didn't really know what to do then, so I just told them a time and kind of let it happen. Um, and if, if there's one thing I've learned, that as a, the, the person maybe organizing it or hosting it, it's so easy to get so caught up about like, small things that people are never actually really thinking about. So like, you might think, oh, the table is are so tight, or oh, the, the pasta's overcooked. I mean, they will just be happy to receive some free food and chat to some new people. Um, though, though one time I, I had someone's uh, chair collapse on them, like, <laughs> full-on, like, collapse straight through. Um, so, yeah, maybe try to avoid that. But, um, but there's a low bar to hospitality. God knows what he's doing when he's instructing us to do it. So, yeah, if you don't know how to cook, give it a Google. Invite some people over. Um, and this, this includes all of us. Um... I'm I'm fairly central on the, um, I think on the introvert, extrovert scale, maybe slightly more towards the latter. But I I still have to make sure that um, I have a chilled Wednesday evening, because I know I'm probably going to have about a dozen people over food um, a home group on on a Thursday. Um, And I thought I'd actually read Swing by Rosaria Butterfield, who's a Christian writer and and a big fan of, of hospitality. And she writes on this topic Um, and she's going to be more helpful on this. Um, She writes, My Myers-Briggs score is INTJ. I'm a classic introvert. This means that I draw an inner charge and refueling from being alone, preferably with a cat and some knitting. I know how to engage people, but being with people is draining. Therefore, I get up earlier than everyone else in my house because I need alone time. I putter in my kitchen I read my Bible. I write my books. I fold laundry, and I renew my energy and focus by spending my alone time well. She writes, knowing your your personality and sensitivities does not excuse you from ministry. So, take a moment before it all starts. If you got me people over. I generally pop slowly um, and just say a quick prayer. Pray that he would, as he has promised to promised you, strengthen you and resolve to do it for his glory. In, in the new term, we're going to have a, um, a thing on a, a grace where it's possible to have a new student come over for Sunday lunch. Why don't you team up with someone um, and put your names down, have, have someone over um, for Sunday lunch. Just for a moment, I'm going to finish in a moment, um, but just for a moment, imagine the most annoying, hardest person you could ever have over, ever show hospitality towards. What are they like? They're costly, they're they're life-draining, energy-sucking, fairly uncommunicative and relatively unresponsive, needing a lot of help. I'll finish by reminding you that you were all of that and more when God took you and brought you to himself and you are still dependent on his hospitality. As the ultimate host, he has all manner of sustenance at hand with which to refresh you. Food for you to feast on, thirst quenching water. Jesus, he, he brings rest the, that restores the weariest of souls. Peace that calms the raging of our world. Those who come in, he takes their dry bones and gives them life. There is a space that he has made out for you. And he has things like specifically for you. Good hosts, they, they try and guess what a, a guest might need. He is the great host who knows what you need and has it for you. As the host. He is, he is keen for all the guests to arrive because there are some that have not come in yet. And he is eager for... That final day when all of his brothers and sisters will be brought to their home, their house, their home and his home, his house. Um, <laughs> I don't the really understand Revelation very well. Um, and join in, in a great wedding feast. Jesus paid the cost that this might all happen, and he did not grumble in doing so. We are invited to join in that cycle. He has given all he has for us. To him belong glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Rosie, you'd like to come up and have communion now.